bottom line up front. In rapidly growing industries like cybersecurity, there are always new names, new products, and even new problems. Time in the market matters. Learn all about it right here on 15 Minutes CMO. Hi there, Steve here. Welcome to the podcast, 15 Minutes CMO. Here you will find tips, trends, insights on marketing strategy, growth, and even leadership. You can subscribe now so that it's easier to find us later. And today's guest is Andy. He's been running things, all things marketing uh, related for Kroll these days. Uh, it comes from a long line of marketing work, which we'll get into in a minute. But first and foremost, Andy, welcome. And thanks for joining me today. Hey there. Great to be with you. I appreciate it, man. Now, I have a sneaking suspicion that you have a, a plethora of well-informed and maybe even a hot take or two as it comes to opinions on marketing trends, leadership, the interplay of leadership and marketing, whatever that might be. But before we do that, um, you know, help me out, help the listeners out with some, you know, some bona fides, some credibility, some, some what are you doing now and, and how did you get here? Sure. So, uh, I'm, I'm Andy Georginis. I'm, I'm the VP of cyber risk marketing at Kroll. So I am not, uh, in charge of all things marketing. I oversee, uh, you know, a, a portion of the business, um, at, that focuses primarily on, on cyber risk strategy or proactive services as it's sometimes known, uh, within the industry. I've been here for a few months, um, but I've worked in cybersecurity marketing and various uh, 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 wow roles, yeah. arenas, targets. Yeah. Cybersecurity yeah. can yeah. be in various capacities. Was the word I was looking for um, for for a couple of different companies, both as a director of marketing, uh, kind of you know the head honcho. And then also as a as a senior director of or senior manager rather of uh, communications and PR for a compliance and an IT compliance firm. Um, but I came from you know ten plus years of food service and other types of marketing. Um, so I wet my teeth in the the restaurant industry, and then after I got sick of the hours, I I you know I moved into something. Um, that also interested me. I found my way into cybersecurity. So here I am. Are the hours all that different now that you've moved into <laughs> cybersecurity? Uh, they, I'm happy to say, yes, they are. Uh, I, if I, if I became a CISO, probably not, but, uh, you know, since. <laughs> oh man. Well, I mean, let's be clear too. You know, a lot of folks listening are in the cybersecurity world and there's probably some very difficult, uh, nuances or niches with cybersecurity marketing. We've, we've talked about them before, but, uh, you know, what do you actually uh, see as a, maybe a particular challenge that cybersecurity marketers face as opposed to food service or other industry? <laughs> yeah, well, there's, there's a lot of unique challenges with, with cybersecurity, but I think that, you know, there's, and you and I have chatted about this a little bit offline, but, you know, there's a, there's this pressure to deliver leads. Um, and, you know, the, the, the whole, the whole problem with that is, is obviously marketing wants to deliver leads. 
Um, it's their, their main job. But when you're working in an industry full of unknowns, unknown brands, unknown names, unknown products, products that are coming out of the woodwork, um, new ideas, and not just from not just from startups, small startups that just pop up out of nowhere, but also from big companies that are developing new products or new product lines, maybe moving into a, a new business area that they weren't previously in. Um, and they they want they want their marketing and sales team to just come out gangbusters and start selling the product. But it doesn't really work that way because if people don't know who you are, you can't market to them. Um, and so, you know, that's, that's something that I see as a real challenge in our industry. I mean, that's not, I suppose, unique to our industry in the sense that that's the only place where that happens, but I think it's unique in the frequency that it happens in our industry, just because there's so much new there's, there's like, it's what makes cybersecurity exciting, but it's also what makes it a murky and confusing industry. And if you don't have awareness, product awareness, brand awareness, and, you know, some sort of um, street cred or panache, you'll be lost in in the noise. So I'm hearing that um, there's an expectation from leadership, whether that's at the the C-level, the board level, whatever it might be, from marketing to uh, not only deliver leads, but deliver sales, deliver like marketing and sales, let's deliver revenue like tomorrow type situation um, without building up a foundation, sort of like you said, but product around like awareness, street cred, time in market, whatever, however we want to phrase it. Um, is that pretty universal? Um, and it, it sounds like it is, or at least it's certainly more prevalent in cyber marketing. Do you have an opinion on you know, why that might be the case, why cyber marketing or cybersecurity teams aren't sort of given the, uh, the runway to, to do it right. I'm going to use that word. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I think I, I have one theory on it. Um, and we'll, we'll call it, a an educated hypothesis. <laughs> cool. Something to um, test. So, yeah, but I, I think, I think actually it has a lot to do with the um, insertion of either venture capital or private equity into the, the mix. So my, my first, my first cybersecurity gig was actually for a, like a bootstrap startup. So we had no funding, no intention of getting funding and the growth pace was different. It was it was a slow build, you know, I mean, obviously we wanted every month to be better than the month prior and we wanted year over year to, to be better, but we had more realistic expectations about how that company would grow over time. Um, I think when somebody invests, you know, $3 million into a small startup that looks promising. Um, they want their five million exit, you know, and so or they or they want their their they just want their investment to to return somehow. And so, you know, I think that that drives a lot of that pressure. Now, I'm not blaming anybody. I mean, if I were to invest money in something, I would want to get a return on it too. So it's not 
it's not uh, a bad thing, but it's different. And it does create an, an environment for companies that maybe that it doesn't give them the adequate chance to build a foundational kind of basis and then, you know, really test in the market. They kind of get thrown up into the deep end and it's sink or swim, you know? And, and so then, then the only way to recover a failure is to sell. And so you all, you know, I mean, either, either you lose all your money or you sell to, you know, you sell or merge or something like that. Yeah. And I just think that generates a ton of pressure. Everyone wants to be a unicorn and you can only have so many of those. Certainly. And I can see also that if you're on the fundraising um, path, right, it's rarely just a seed round and then you're done. Um, but more of a, and whether that's a, whether you're at a big company too, and your funding comes entirely from a general manager who's controlling your P&L. If you're the marketer, you're certainly looking for probably quick wins is a, is a phrase we all hear. Yep. and uh, traction so that you can go back and you can say look it's working you know we didn't we we hopefully got the test right the first time because it's hard to say that didn't work i need more money that sort of thing um so i, I get that and i'm wondering though if it's um a disconnect between um kind of the realities on the ground uh from a product to purchase standpoint Cybersecurity, for example this is a strategic product this is uh, a this is a product that is ostensibly going to save your company at one point or another, whether you like it or not. Sort of like airbags, like you you don't want to have to use them, but uh, you certainly want it, sort of thing. And um, you know, tell me a bit about um, you know less about the strategic nuances of uh, cybersecurity marketing, but rather, you know, what about uh, you know leadership that's setting expectations for um, they're balance, playing that balance act between like the VC and their their head of marketing you know like is there a, a, a disconnect there have you ever experienced it when it goes wrong uh mm. and you know what kind of impacts are our leaders having um uh when when things either go upside down or all in the right direction i don't know take that where you will yeah that's a that's a good question um i i i've experienced it both ways um, and you know, I want to tread lightly here because I've signed NDAs that, mm -hmm. you know, even, even are related to, you know, this very thing, but I mean, I, I think that, I think that you have situations where obviously, especially if the person that's still running the company is the founder or like the, the CEO, whatever that there, the, the leadership is legacy mm -hmm. and it's just, the funding is new. Um, I do think that they have a very unique set of, of balancing acts to perform um, where, you know, especially if they're the founder and they really care about the company, you know, they built it from, from what, from nothing and turned it into this successful company that investors want to invest in. And they, and they, um, they put their heart and soul into it. And then as, you know, as a method of growing, continuing to grow the company, they take funding 
and yet they don't want to sell the soul of, of the organization, you know, as they built it. Um, I think that they, they run into some major challenges and I have experienced that. Mm. Um, and it, it causes a lot of disruption and, and change, you know, internal change, uh, can be chaotic, a different kind of chaos than startup chaos where like everybody's wearing 10 hats and they're all trying to do everything all at once. Um, it's a, it's a different kind of chaos. And then it, and then like for the, like the full buyouts where, where, you know, the organization that is investing puts money in, it's more straight, I think more straightforward because they have their set of expectations. They know the, they know the growth and revenue margins that they want and they just start pushing it whether whether it's fully attainable or not is another it's sort of irrelevant you know they they have their goals so that that's the maybe the difference i i see in the in the two like but i mean my experience with funded companies is actually slightly limited because i didn't work prior to the technology industry, I didn't work with funded companies. I worked for, you know, privately owned like food service companies or restaurants, mm-hmm. things like that. So. Yeah. The, the funded, the funded side of the, uh, of the market is interesting. There it's certainly at the beginning, right? There's always this scramble to either find or approve product market fit. And mm-hmm. I would say anyone who's looking to find and approve uh, market fit, head over to the sponsor of this episode. That's discerner.com. You can go to discerner.com slash podcast. The link is in the description because the person who named the website didn't spell it all that easily. But, um, you know, post a product market fit, um, you know, into this sort of growth phase that people are into, say funding comes along, you know, one of the first things that happens is usually a bunch of hires and this like high expectation, at least that's what I'm, I'm, the the story you're telling here. Do you have any, you know, forget why a situation might have happened, but say there's a a young uh, or early in their career marketer who's listening to this right now and through no fault of their own, maybe they experience like many, many uh, technology companies are going through right now, some reorganizations, some uh, resource actions, you know, any quick tips or calls for, you know, don't give up on it, um, you know, don't beat yourself up, that kind of thing that you could share with anybody listening about how to sort of weather that storm personally and internally so that they can uh, come out the other side, actually, you know, embracing it, hopefully as a change, whatever that might be. Um, yeah. Just sort of walking off. Yeah, I, I think I think that's a really good question. And I think the advice that I would give is probably going to be slightly counterintuitive. Um, but I would encourage someone in that role to be really transparent with whoever they report to. Um, and, you know, whether whether it's somebody else in marketing or maybe that somebody else is now gone and they're reporting up to some, someone else, like, you know, marketing can pop fall under all sorts of different categories. So you might report directly to the CEO or the CRO or, or, you know, some, some, someone else, the director of sales, you never know, but Mm -hmm. um, long story short, um, be really transparent about your concerns and what you think you can do and set expectations. You want to manage the expectations for yourself at every, at every point, because 
what what tends to happen with layoffs is is that the expectations for success don't really change it's just that you have less people to execute it mm. <laughs> so so you you end up running on a more on a more lean team and that can you know that can create situations where that are impossible um, yeah and uh, well any i got to say this was um, an enlightening and actionable conversation i've heard things around uh, be mindful and open and transparent of organizational changes and communicate with your leadership, however that might be, around expectations that have been set and might be able to not, but you might not have to change or you might have to change. And of course, um, without losing sight of uh, quick wins to take the effort to lay the groundwork, to build street cred for the company and for the product itself before going right to the lead machine, uh, just to, you know, to satisfy the expectations that someone may have set with a uh, Excel five-year forecast or something like that. Um, again, exactly. really do appreciate you joining. Uh, there was definitely like a clear cart before the horse dynamic going on, and it makes sense to step back and have that course plotted. Um, sincerely, um, please tell me you're willing to come back for another episode in the future. Absolutely. I would love to. All right, man. Thanks, dude. It's been, it's been fun. Thanks.